This is the Maxlexia podcast. Here, it's all dyslexia all the time. A place to explore it in all its complex beauty, changing the way we and the world perceive the dyslexic mind. I'm Lori Catella, your host, and I'm ready to help guide you to see and celebrate your own dyslexic brilliance. Together, we will change the world. Hey everyone, welcome to the Max Lexia podcast. And today I'd like to start what I think will be approximately a nine-part series looking at the main aspects of the dyslexic life experience. And for today, I'd like to begin with the word disability, which if you have dyslexia, I know you've heard that time and time again. And in my experience with dyslexic peeps in my, in my practice, I have seen anything but disability. So I'd like to call it from disability to diff-ability, a different way of seeing things, a different way of doing things, a different way of approaching problems, whether it be writing, reading, math. And for me, that has been what has absolutely blown my mind, which has really become my mission or my mission statement, or I guess my life's purpose is really to have every single dyslexic person that I work with or that I know or that I meet to really begin to see their own dyslexic brilliance and not just see it, but begin to celebrate it for what it truly is and what it gives you as a dyslexic, the incredible strengths and abilities that it gives you so you can shine your unique dyslexic light in the world. On top of that, I'd like us all together as a dyslexic community to be able to come together and share stories of dyslexic brilliance, which we can put out in the world so that we can change the way the world perceives dyslexia. So we have a lot of work to do, but that's it. We can do it together. I know the brilliance of the dyslexic mind will blow out there and just amaze everyone. So back to the word disability. It's definitely a word that makes me uncomfortable, gives me a little discomfort when I hear that word. Now, there's one time, and I will I will reference that in a bit, where I do actually agree with a diagnosis of dyslexia. But in the meantime, the word disability doesn't sit very well for, to, with me because really all we're talking about here is a different brain wiring. The dyslexic brain is wired in a different way to perform tasks in different ways, to think in different ways than a brain that is not dyslexic. And to call that a disability, I think does a disservice to the people who have dyslexia. But I do understand where it comes from, because that being said, why do we call it a disability? Well, we're referencing things going back to school experiences, for the most part, in the early years, very young school experiences, and the academic setting where this becomes, I guess you'd call it a problem, this becomes an issue because student with dyslexia is all of a sudden becoming unable to keep up with their peers in terms of some of the skills and some of the learning outcomes like reading, whether it be reading, whether it be math, but the learning outcomes are expected at certain grade levels and at certain developmental stages is not keeping up with the non-dyslexic brain. These are the years when things are usually flagged, where a student will get a diagnosis of dyslexia, at least these days. In the past, that was not the case, and it was even more difficult to work through 
some of the issues throughout their lifetime. But for now, this is usually when students are flagged and go for testing and assessments and come up with a diagnosis of dyslexia. Now, these early academic experiences are highly traumatic and they are little microaggressions, not necessarily anything huge any one day that happens, but these are repetitive over long periods of time. And after a while, these repetitive microaggressions can lead to big T trauma. And this trauma can lead to PTSD, which has triggers as you move through your life, as you become an adult, as you move through into your personal and professional lives as adults, can really be triggered back to those early experiences and you're right back at that psychological, emotional, distressing time of being a young child in the classroom, feeling different, feeling inadequate, feeling not as intelligent or capable as your peers. So this is really, for me, the most important part, the emotional and psychological aspects of dealing with dyslexia and of living with dyslexia. And if this is addressed and dealt with in the right way to go back and look at these experiences, to see what you've defined yourself as based on these experiences, to look at the inner dialogue that was generated and written by these repetitive messages over long periods of time, once we undo that and move forward, there's absolutely a clear way forward to rewrite your life script. So coming back to the word disability or learning disability, and for me, that is what I find extremely difficult because any dyslexic person I've ever worked with not only does not have a learning disability, but has just a yearning for learning that encompasses a wide variety of topics and issues. Again, what happens here is that regardless of this, in an academic setting, there's a lot of failure, if you will. A lot of failure and inability to keep up with the peers, to hit those learning targets at the right, quote unquote, ages and the right timelines that we're expecting in a very antiquated system that is very rigid in the timelines. It's very rigid in the outcomes expected at what times. And I really think this is where we're going to need to become more creative in how we address this and become more fluid in these timelines to address the wide spectrum, the beautiful spectrum, the beautiful rainbow of all learning styles in the classroom. Now, one of the interesting things about dyslexia, and we won't get into a lot of anatomy and physiology or any of the, the research in terms of the organic reasons behind dyslexia, but one of the things I find fascinating is that in MRI studies, if they study the dyslexic brain versus the non-dyslexic brain performing the exact same task, they will see the dyslexic brain firing up approximately in five times more of the real estate of the brain than the non-dyslexic brain. And I find this truly fascinating. And for me, in a, in a practical level, I find it very interesting to observe what some of this may be expressing as. And this is just purely my own opinion, but that five times more firing in areas even unrelated to the task at hand, even if it's a, a reading task, they see firing up in different areas of the brain that are not even related to the reading uh, areas of the brain or a math task. And I think for me, this shows that this is maybe one of the ways that this out of the box thinking comes because it's firing up in all different areas of the brain that can lead to one task having these brilliant branching out to all different areas. That's just a personal feeling. The other thing it leads to is realizing that people need more time to perform certain tasks because it's 
taking more time to perform these tasks, using up more energy, and that leads to actually becoming more exhausted by the same task. And keeping that in mind for students in school who, for example, would have a three-hour math exam and they require extra time, which is absolutely essential in order to be able to succeed academically in the math exam. But what ends up happening is that after four hours of writing an exam, not only have they expended more energy, but they're absolutely completely mentally and physically exhausted. So I think this, again, could be a very interesting way that we could become more creative in how we could have students show what they know instead of a traditional format, perhaps we could we could look at different ways of being able to go and reach a student with dyslexia and see if there's a different way or alternate ways that they're able to show us what they've learned and what they know and how they have actually hit the learning outcomes that we expected, but is not being shown in the way that we are assessing them effectively. So let's get back to the one time that I believe a quote unquote diagnosis of dyslexia is actually a good thing. When students are flagged, Hopefully early on, I think early intervention is absolutely essential for the success of a student because not only do they have to have targeted appropriate support from an early age, but it also helps to prevent some of the damage to the self-esteem that by the time they hit middle school, if things are not addressed, these little microaggressions, these little repetitive messages that are heard over and over again over long periods of time literally crush the self-esteem. So again, to have a diagnosis of dyslexia will lead to early appropriate targeted support, whether it be in the reading, whether it be in the math skills, this is crucial to academic success. The other thing that is absolutely essential is accommodations that are provided through these assessments and absolutely necessary because this is how we're going to get the students to show what they know and be able to be on the same even playing field with the rest of the students. So things like extra time, things like scribe, things like memory aids, things like calculator accommodation. If a student is unable to learn their multiplication tables and their basic facts in grade four, oftentimes we hold a student back at that point because they are unable to progress at the same speed and level of learning as their peers with the rote memorization of multiplication tables we don't allow them to progress in their math skills and my experience has shown that students with dyslexia have incredible creative and intuitive math abilities so to hold them back based on basic facts based on an inability to rote memorize the multiplication tables is actually completely detrimental to their progression in math once we give them this assistive technology of the calculator, teach appropriate use of it, teach how to effectively use it, they can go on to do anything with a huge math component. I've seen students go on to do engineering, accounting, anything that has a large math component, they can absolutely succeed at that, but they do need a calculator accommodation. So I think this is a great time right now. We are in a time of flux. Everything is changing the way we see things, the way we go about doing things. And I really think we could pivot in the educational system to be able to be more creative with the way that we are able to find ways to recognize dyslexic students early on in their academic careers, that we are able to optimize teaching methods, giving teachers far more training in how they're able to reach and teach every single student in the classroom and 
better ways of maximizing academic success in these students who are being assessed in ways that does not allow them to best perform and to best show what they know and what they have acquired. The knowledge that we actually expect them to acquire is not being assessed in a way that for them to show us that they have actually learned it. So this is a time of exciting, creative, innovative people to come forward and start to share these types of approaches and these types of techniques. So to everyone out there working with someone with dyslexia or any of you who are dyslexic to start to begin to share what has worked for you, what worked for you in an academic setting, how you dealt with the emotional and psychological aspects of dyslexia and move through your dyslexic life journey. Let's begin to share that with the world so the world begins to see the dyslexic brilliance. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Maxlexia podcast. If you've got any questions or comments, or if you're looking for more dyslexia-related stories, resources, and information, reach out to me on my website, maxlexia.com. Peace out. See you next time.